0: Welcome back to the Rock Your Retirement Show. I'm your host, Kathy Klein, and today we have Tay Kim in this third of our series on the sandwich generation. If you are living in a multi-generational household, you must listen to this series. If you didn't listen to the first and second episodes in the series, go back and listen to those first. This series might make a lot more sense if you listen to them in order. Today, we are discussing the pros and cons of multi-generational living. You might already know that there can be drawbacks and benefits for this type of living arrangement. We will be discussing the things you may want to consider before agreeing to a multi-generational lifestyle. Next week, we will give you some tips for living in a multi-generational household. So stay tuned next week to find out how you can live peacefully. Are you living in a multi-generational household or considering having your parents move in? Do you take care of aging parents as well as your own children? Do you know someone who is having challenges with caring for their parents? If any of these situations are yours, then this series is for you. My guest today it's about navigating the intersection between personal finance and sandwich generational issues. Tay and his wife cohabitate with his parents while raising their own children and building their careers. Okay, I'm not going to make you wait any longer. Let's go ahead and bring on Tay Kim. Thank you so much for coming on the show to talk to my listeners. As you know, my listeners are most likely your parents' age. So let's start with some of the advantages of multi-generational living from a younger person's standpoint. Thanks for coming back.
1: Of course. Thank you, Kathy, for having me again. Um, Yeah, so I think uh, as we talked about last time, uh, my wife and I, we've been living with our parents for about six years now we started when we uh, had our son. He's six now, of course, when we started living together. Um, My wife just gave birth. So yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, we're trying to we're trying to learn how to be parents uh, at the same time, relearning how to live with my parents again. We've learned a lot through the progress, both as parents and as adults and just learning more about our parents. So yeah, some of the advantages of being in a multi-generational household, from our perspective, I think number one has been built in, you called it last time, nanny cam. Having my parents being able to be a backstop for any kind of childcare. So a lot of young parents go through this challenge when they first become parents on what to do with childcare. Do you know one of the spouses stay home? Do one of them go part-time? Can they do a remote work uh, opportunity, or can they make it work if their work is close enough, or can they, where they can have an in-house nanny? So there's a lot of just different uh, challenges. When I talk to my peers, I mean that's one of the first thing we talk about is like, how are you handling childcare? Like, uh, have you found a nanny? Like, have you found a good childcare uh, daycare in your location? So for us, thankfully, having my parents there has allowed us to uh, continue uh full force in our career so we you know we have to commute anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour to get to our work so that means it's hard for us in the morning to you know get the kids up and um get them fed get them dressed so thankfully on the days that uh both of us have to leave the house my parents are able to help out with that um my mom's retired my dad still works part-time here and there so they're the ones able to you know they have a lot more um time and a lot more lax they're not as you know wound up as we are with our careers so I think just having the comfort of having my mom being to be like oh it's okay hey like we'll feed the kids we'll dress the kids we'll drop them off at school and even with the pickup I mean it's, it's amazing um, just having that support I didn't really ap- appreciate it um, until I had to do it for a week when both my parents were gone And I just remember like waking up super wound up because I'm like, all right, kids, you got to get out of the house by 730 because I have to get to work by nine. So I'm I'm stressed out. They're stressed out because I'm stressed out. I'm trying to force feed them. I'm trying to dress them. Of course, as as I'm dropping them off at school, they're crying because, you know, they sense the tension from me. And then even when I'm picking them up, a lot of these a lot of these uh, preschools and daycares that have a penalty if you pick them up late. So like I'm looking at the clock and like, oh, my goodness, 3 we got to end this meeting because I got to get in the car. If there's extra traffic, I'm going to be late. So kudos to parents who were able to juggle it all without having support. But for us, just having my parents at home being able to um, support us uh, with the childcare I mean, that's just been a, a game changer.
0: Now, I've spoken to people who were retired who felt that they're, I'm just going to, Look at the devil's advocate off the mm-hmm. other side, because my yeah. listeners are more your parents' age, yep, and yep. I've talked to people whose children are really abusing that. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. they are—they're yeah. overworking their parents when yeah. it comes yeah. to childcare. Have Have yeah. you and your parents had that discussion?
1: Yeah. So. Not in a direct way, but then I have heard, you know, comments from my mom as, you know, she's passing by and be like, hey, you know, my friends don't have to do this so much. Or they say, (laughs) oh, we could have gone to this event if uh, we didn't have to watch the kids. So it has to be mutually beneficial. It can't just be one-sided. And that's something that we've realized, you know, we can always look at it from our perspective, say, oh, hey, you guys are, you know, you have more time and we're in the midst of our career, so why can't you help out? But at the same time we're being irresponsible if we're not looking at it from their perspective. You know, they worked hard. Now that uh, they're in their retirement age, you know, they've earned the right to relax and rest. So we have to oftentimes recognize and verbalize our appreciation. It's not given that they're supposed to watch our kids, but it's something that they're doing above and beyond what they need to do. They find a certain pride and joy in being able to take their grandkids to some of their friends events or to the church when they go to, and then be have to show off that, Hey, you know, like our grandkids are with us all the time. We don't have to you know, <laughs> wait to see them. So we sense a little bit of both ends.
0: Yeah. I, I completely, I completely understand because I hear it on, from both sides from yeah. people in the FI community. And for the listener, FI is financially independent. You can tag on retire early on to that mm-hmm. um, where they, try to save up as much money as they can within around 10 years or so to see if they can financially afford to retire or maybe not retire, but be able to afford to do a job that they want to do instead of just working for money. And I think you're in that community, right?
1: Yes. Yes. We want to be just as financially prepared as possible, especially right now in our peak earning years, we want to be able to just kind of you know, get our head down, work as much as we can, because, you know, there could be a time and hopefully not, you know, 10 years down the line, if one of us really needs to be home to spend more time with one of our parents, I mean, that could be a possibility. And for us, we don't want the finances to become a burden. A
0: A lot of my listeners are, they're, they're probably financially independent, or could be, uh, Mm -hmm. especially if they lived a more frugal lifestyle, like many of the FI I don't want to say cult, but culture.
1: <laughs> yeah, yep, yep, yep. I think it's, I think it's the same. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. But a lot of people in my generation, you know, the baby boomers or the Gen Xers, the 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 older Gen Xers,
1: mm-hmm.
0: even though we can financially afford to retire, yeah. we f- would feel that something was missing in our lives if we weren't working. And that's what a lot of this show is about. It started because I'm, I've been trying to retire on my own, you know, my own journey of, of Mm -hmm. trying to let go of work. Mm -hmm. And um, so, so that's why we're here, but it is good to listen to the other generation's point of view as well. And I think as long as you and your parents and your wife are all communicating so that Mm -hmm. when your parents don't want to work for a week or whatever, you know, because when you're older, you don't have as much energy to run after a five and six.
1: Yeah, Definitely. 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 Yeah. And that's something that I think we've had to work through. There wasn't a perfect, you know, like do we have this conversation of like recognizing boundaries and all of that. It's more of just kind of what recognizing. And I think we're very appreciative of our parents because they also recognize that in our thirties right now, we've built up a certain trajectory within our careers and we're trying to uh, be responsible to that and they want to support them. We recognize that. And then for their contribution is that, Hey, you know, you have two young kids. We can help out with that. So I think it's really just uh, being empathetic to both both ends. And then uh, for us, I think that was I think one of the interesting thing. I think I I, I might have referred that last time was the fact that my parents have their own lives, and then like they have their own set of friends, and they have their and I think I mean it's very very uh, self centric of me. You know, growing up. Uh, but coming, coming and living together in my thirties, because in my twenties it was always kind of like assumed that oh, of course my parents would always be there, um, <laughs> and then in my thirties living together, I just remember like, oh, we're gonna go out, and then it was kind of like, what, what do you mean? Like, you're gonna go out like just with your friends? Like, wouldn't you consider like, you know? Uh, what about uh, me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, <laughs> but, but it was like, it was, it was, it was my perspective. It was like, I mean, they were, they were doing it all the whole time. So it was, uh, I think my wife and I just continually having the conversations as regards to they're in their 60s and 70s now like what is their lives going to look like and how do we best support them as just have just as they've supported us in our journey yeah
0: right so or do you know if they have long-term care insurance I know that the the Asian cultures typically don't mm-hmm. put mom in assisted living but you know people are living longer and longer and it you you could wind up taking care of your parents and your kids in college at the same time. Have you given thought to that?
1: Well, so, I mean, I think that's the big scenario that my wife and I constantly think about as like, hey, this is going to come down the pipeline pretty soon in the next 10 to 15 years. And that's one of the reasons why I think we've really latched onto the financial independence kind of movement and the ideal. Because, I mean, their, their whole ideal is, save for the purpose of retiring. But for us it was more like, hey, like let's save as much as we can so that we can have the option down the line. If we could retire or if you know other situations come where we need to provide a little more support to our parents that we can't we can have the ability to. But yes, we thought about it. To be honest, like I don't know too much about long-term care insurance or what's available. I've heard just mixed reviews about him, but This podcast, and you're probably the expert on being able to advise on, you know, what would be the best option for my parents.
0: Well, we don't we don't get into a lot of money on this show, but I can Mm. tell you that in your 60s and 70s, long-term care insurance can be prohibitively expensive. Right. And I know that there's some financial gurus out there who say to wait until you're 60, but by then you really can't afford it. I I did a quote on myself before I turned 50 and to get a policy that paid what I would need it to pay and to have it last 10 years was over a thousand dollars a month. And that was at age 49.
1: And that's for a finite 10 year period.
0: Yeah. They don't do unlimited plans anymore. And so I was lucky because I was a financial advisor and (laughs) I bought a policy when I was in my either late thirties or early Mm forties before most people think of that. What I have doesn't exist anymore. You know, I have a lifetime policy that Mm -hmm. will, and it increases by three or 5% every year. So, Mm -hmm. but yeah, a lot of people don't think about that. And I know so many people who, if your parents get Alzheimer's or dementia, it's going to be very difficult to keep them at home because yeah. people with dementia do things, you know, like they get up in the middle of the night and they start wandering. So the people, their caregivers are getting no sleep. You know, I mean, there's just health issues that come in. And, and also most of us are not prepared. We're not, we didn't go to school to learn how to take care of the elderly. When when I'm saying elderly, I'm not talking about your mom and dad right now. They're Mm -hmm. still young and vibrant. Talking about what about when they're, you know, 90, then what are are we going to do? Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I'm lucky in that my dad has his wife who's taking care of him. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen with my mom if she ever needs Mm. care. Mm -hmm. But. But yeah, these are things that, that I thought about when I was, when I was younger. Just when, But I didn't have my parents living with me either. <laughs> you
1: know. Yeah, I think it's really forced us to think about just the proximity, uh, more of just, uh, as my wife and I are discussing, just having the proximity of my parents forces us to think more about, oh, under wonder what this is going to look like in 10, 20 years. I mean, I, I think that was one of the reasons why I also started the, the blog, was trying to understand more, even just like filling out, helping to fill out the um, some of the forms. My parents are, you know, they're first generation Korean, so their English is pretty limited. So I remember having to translate a lot as growing up, and now as a, as an adult, it's those responsibilities still somewhat fall on me. So then helping out, filling out some of these like medication forms and such. I'm like, oh man, like this is going to be like what we have to do more and more down the line. Like, what's this, how do we do this? You know, I mean, you can't predict everything, but it's it's one of those things that's going to happen. And we want to be somewhat prepared as much as possible. So that's one of the one of the reasons why I started the blog, so that I could, you know, kind of force myself to think more about it. When I talk to my, my peers, it's something that everyone thinks about, especially within the immigrant community, because... Um,
0: You're more expected uh, to take care of your parents than people who were... Born
1: here, right. So our parents didn't know about Medicare or Social Security until later, when they had to think about it. And thankfully, they they're part of a large Korean community, Korean church. So then that's where actually they find out most of their information from. But um, when I talk to my peers, I mean, it's something that it's in all of our minds. But we're just like I don't know, like what what do we do? Do we we're trying to we're struggling just to get by, trying to raise our kids and trying to get our careers up and started. But it's, might have
0: to live move to Arkansas.
1: One of the nice things about being exposed to financial independence community too, is you meet people from all over the country. And um, I think it just exposes you to different view on just lifestyle and life. So that's definitely something that we've even thought about. I mean, it's, uh, we're not, we're not crossing it. I think living in California, especially Southern California, we have this kind of like way of uh, looking at the world from Orange County perspective. I have to
0: tell you moving, you know, my husband and I used to live in San Diego and we moved across the country to South Carolina. It's a culture shock. It's almost like living in a different country.
1: Like a smaller, smaller city, or
0: we live in a sort of a resort area. Okay. Now, but it, you would think that it would be very similar to San Diego because San Diego is kind of a resort city as well. Mm-hmm. But just the culture is different. I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just different. Yeah. And it takes a mm-hmm. while to get used to things. Like, I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I went into a restaurant when I first moved here. And I've been here about nine months now. It was probably, I, I probably have been here three months or so. And I had already determined that in the restaurants, it's very difficult to get food that you're used to in in mm. Southern California, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and so I, I ordered grilled chicken. And when I received my meal, it had breading on it. It was breaded oh,
1: chicken. Oh, interesting! interesting. And,
0: yeah. And I said, "I ordered grilled chicken," and she said, mm-hmm. "Oh, yeah, that's grilled."
1: <laughs> yeah, that's grilled has, in the inside. Yeah, it after has breading yeah. <laughs> on it,
0: you know. And so, um, you know, just those kind of cultures. You know, you, know, you would never get. Bread on grilled chicken in california right
1: right so, right, right yeah you
0: know just, just Total, little
1: things <laughs> yeah definitely definitely it's
0: it's interesting how we're all one country but we do have several cultures inside the United States,
1: yeah, depending on the region there's so much so much diversity and so much um just the, its own little subcultures
0: exactly so have you had conversations with your parents because I'm sure that if they raised you and now they're Mm-hmm. helping to raise your kids they're expecting yeah. you to take care of them when they get older
1: i don't know if it's a cultural thing but it's also probably a generation thing we haven't had a direct conversation um i think one of the, one of the interesting things the article actually talked about was with this multi-generational living it's uh, once you make this arrangement it tends to be permanent right. so <laughs> so like that popped out and i was like hmm my wife and I, I mean, thankfully, I mean, she's she's the real trooper here. Like she, she grew up with her grandmother. So she understood the real benefit of having just multiple generation of people that, you know, that you're surrounded by, that loves you, that cares for you. We've spoken about what's this long-term arrangement going to be. And I think both of us are open to, you know, keeping it as long as possible. Yet, to your point, like, you know, our parents... Uh, spent their whole lives taking care of us. So then for us, uh, I mean, we have much more opportunities than they did. From a financial perspective, um, first-generation immigrant, we were pretty financially strapped, both my wife and I, uh, growing up. So then thankfully, I mean, both of us are in a good career where we're able to make good living here in Southern California, but to provide for our our, our parents, for our kids. We haven't had a direct conversation. I'm pre- I'm not sure how to approach it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a, if I think like deeply, I'm wondering if there is going to be like a, like a trigger, like a, like a medical trigger that's going to force us to have those discussions. I mean, we just completed our trust and then we brought it up to our parents saying, Hey, we're getting this thing done. Have you guys thought about estate planning or anything like that?
0: Hours of attorney. Corrected. That's really Exactly.
1: Important. Yeah. Thankfully, I, I think that when they saw us doing it, they were like, why are you doing it? You're young, you're healthy. However, it made them think about it. And then they also, they started asking their friends and they're like, our friends have it too. Like we should get it done. So little by little, we're trying to kind of, you know, slide it in there, but how long it's going to go for this multi-generation living arrangement. We don't have a definite like, Hey, this is, this is it. (laughs) And then, you know, we go our separate ways. I think we're just trying to focus on the current. And then once again, do our best to um, save as much as we can. So then, Uh, we will be somewhat prepared from a financial perspective.
0: You know, I have a question about just family time. Mm -hmm. Do you ever just take off the four of you, you, your wife, and your two kids? Or is the parents always expected to be part of the family outings?
1: No. So I think that's one of the things that we also realize is very important. Just as my parents, they need to have their alone time with their friends or just the two of them that um, for my wife and I and our kids, We need to have our own time. So we try to go get away for the weekend, just the four of us. Yeah, I don't think there was any kind of expectation that we do everything together. Thankfully, um, just as my parents are independent, they're okay with us saying, hey, we're going to go away for the weekend. And they're totally fine with it. They're like, great, the house is going to be quiet for the weekend. So (laughs) Once in a while, we go together on family trip. Earlier this year, we uh, went to Hawaii It was kind of eventful because we actually went to the same resort that my wife and I went for our honeymoon. And then eighty years later we came back when we brought, you know, my parents and the kids. So uh last time it was the two of us. Now this time it was six of us. So
0: kind of the anti honeymoon.
1: (laughs) Anti honeymoon, yeah, the complete (laughs) opposite. Yeah, yeah. No alone time, nothing, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. so we've we've been talking about just a little we we didn't really stick to the pros and cons but i think we've been talking about those all through this series mm-hmm. tell us how you um the listener could you know follow you or read your blog tell us yes. a little bit about what you're
1: doing sure so i write at com, and my primary focus is talking about the intersection between personal finance and being a Sandy generation, pretty much uh, what my wife and I are trying to navigate as we are living with our parents, raising young kids at the same time, trying to get our financial house, you know, in order. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to learn more about uh, our family and what we're doing, you can follow us on financialtortoise.com.
0: Great. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show again. I'm really looking forward to next week as well.
1: Great. Thank you, Kathy.
0: Thanks. And for the listener, we'll see you next time on Rock Your Retirement. Bye. Hey, hey, hey. Before this show is over, I just wanted to thank Glenna Davis for supporting me on Patreon. She's giving us $5 per month to support the show. Thank you so much, Glenna. We really appreciate it. If you'd like to support the show, just head on over to rockyourretirement.com slash support, and you can be a supporter too. Thanks.